up, everybody? Michael Nettemeyer here, and I'm your host of the Whitwin Podcast. Whatever it takes, whatever it's needed. Today, we're talking about, is the market coming to a crash? Headlines everywhere are creating uncertainty. They're creating uncertainty in the market. You've got people saying the market's going to slow. Some people are saying it's going to crash. All of these experts have different opinions of what's going on in the market. And to be honest, the truth, no one knows for sure. It's a bunch of people making guesses based on data that's available to them. Now, since we know that, let's take a look at the data. All right, first metric, number of people in default. Number of people in default on their mortgages, on their home loans, is at an all-time low. The number, which wasn't the case in 2006 and 7. The number of people in forbearance from COVID relief, this is one I thought could impact our, our market, but the number of people in forbearance who weren't making payments on their home loans from COVID relief, they're getting caught back up on their payments. The number of adjustable rate mortgages over the last decade, all-time low. That was one of the big factors in 08, if you remember. We've had a significant increase in price appreciation in the housing market over the last two years, which means that even if people are falling behind on payments, they likely can sell their house and break even or even profit from the sale because they have enough equity and their home has appreciated over the last couple of years if they bought it in 2018, 2019, 2020. They, they, chances are they're not going to have to short sale or they're not going to have to let their home foreclose. They're going to put it on the market traditionally. They're going to get an offer. It's going to sell. So think about that. One other one, we're still sitting in a super low supply of inventory across the country. So things are starting to slow a little bit. But like think about in St. Louis where I live, we're at about a one and a half month supply of inventory, which is a very, very strong seller's market. Go back to 2019 when we weren't seeing all of the crazy over asking prices on homes and we didn't have 20 offers on a home the first day on the market. Back then, we were sitting closer to a three-month supply of inventory. So even if the interest rates, the increase in home loan interest rates, causes buyer demand to lessen, which then leads to a double in inventory, say. The inventory doubles. We're still going to be at three months, give or take, a little bit over. We're still in a very strong seller's market. We need to get to five or six months of inventory before this market even starts to balance out in more of a balanced market. So with all of that data, what am I saying? Basically what I'm saying is, in my opinion, we're not going to see a market crash. I do think we're going to see a shift, a little bit of a shift and a begin to, which shift isn't a bad thing. People think shift is like a huge swing in a negative direction. I think we're going to see the market cool off a little bit. So if the market tends to start to cool off a little bit and we start to say, let's think about this, homes start to sit on the market a little bit longer. Homes aren't selling as quickly as we can. The question is, what do we need to do to be ready for this? How do we pivot and adjust with the market and not just go on thinking that we can put a house on the market, 20 offers, sells in the first day? Because think about it. There are a lot of realtors who got into the business the last couple of years And they haven't had to experience a seller conversation informing the seller that they need to adjust the price. They've had to put the house on the market on Thursday. It's sold by Saturday. 25 offers. Life's good. Hey, I'm great. They haven't had to experience keeping a listing for a week or two weeks or five weeks or three months or six months. Many people haven't had to provide a super high level weekly seller report letting the seller know everything they're doing every single week to get their home sold. Houses are selling immediately. There's no need for that, right? As long as you price it even in the realm of possibility, chances are you're going to get at least one offer immediately and it's going to sell. So 
let's get into how we're going to prepare for a market shift or a market correction. Now, the first thing we need to do is we need to put a plan in place to increase lead generation. So I would be looking at, if I were you as a business owner, and this is just, this is any kind of business, I would be looking at what sources of business generated the most closed sales for me in the last 24 months. So I want to know where all of my business, and you should be tracking this anyway. You need to know where your business is coming from. Was it my sphere of influence? Was it for sale by owners? Was it internet leads? Was it farming? Was it some other form of marketing? Was it radio? Was it TV? Whatever it is, where did the bulk of your sales come from in the last 24 months? I would take those sources and I would be doubling down on those because we know they've worked in the last 12, 24, 36, 48 months for me. I would be doubling down my efforts on those metrics to increase my sales and increase my revenue. Now, talking about revenue, anyone that knows me knows I'm a big believer that the bulk of your attention should be on your top line. I'm always, always, always looking for ways to increase my revenue coming in. You know, I, I think it's funny when people say money isn't important. Well, in business, it's very important. It's almost the most important. Try telling your staff they aren't getting paid this week because there's no money. See how long they stick around. I don't think they're going to last very long, do you? Tell them, hey, I can't pay you this week because I didn't do a good job of being a business owner. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they're going to hang around. 95% of your focus should be on increasing revenue. And 5% of my focus, and I put focus on this every single week, needs to be on where I can cut my unnecessary spending. Right? In good times, business owners tend to spend more. Realtors, business owners, doesn't matter what industry you're in. In good times... Business owners tend to spend more money and not hold their money as accountable as they should. It's easy to spend a little bit more frivolously. There's more money coming in. Things are good. I can spend. I don't really hold it as accountable. I don't pay as much attention to my money. Every single week, you should be taking 30 minutes and looking at your profit and loss statement. If you don't have a profit and loss statement, now would be a really good time to start putting one in place. You can do it yourself. QuickBooks is a great cheap alternative or option to get a profit and loss statement. You can pay somebody to do it, a bookkeeper, an accountant. You need to have this though. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to your company. You owe it to your team. You owe it to your business to have a profit and loss statement. So every week I'm taking 30 minutes and I'm going through my P&L. How much money came in this week? How much went out? And I'm constantly thinking about what can I cut? Now, I'm not talking about cutting staff or start panicking and cutting things that are working for you. Don't get rid of the things that are making you money. That just doesn't make any sense. I'm talking about finding items that aren't giving you return on your investment. And it could be something as simple as like a $9.99 subscription that you're currently paying for that you haven't used in six months. I subscribed to an economic report. I think it was $14.99. I hadn't looked at it in three months. I got rid of it. Right? It could be those tiny things. A lot of those little small things we don't even think about. $2.99, $7.99, paying for extra storage on my iPhone. Do I really need it? It's $2.99. It's small. 36 bucks a year isn't going to make a difference in my bank account. And if I've got 100 of those, it starts to impact my, my bottom line. So I want to be looking at no matter how small the expense might be, if I don't use it, get rid of it. All right? If I'm paying for Netflix and I don't use it, get rid of it. In your business, if you're paying for something and you don't use it, get rid of it. You might be paying $500 for a program that you don't use. Get rid of it. You might be paying for something that you may kind of listen to, but you've never implemented anything from it, get rid of it. 
every single week we should be looking for things that we need to cut that we aren't using. And a lot of you are going to be surprised to find it how much unnecessary spending is coming out of your bank account every single month. You'll be shocked when you start to pay attention and start looking at how much is coming in, how much is going out. Oftentimes there's a lot more going out that we're not even aware of because we're not holding our money accountable. Something to remember is that the bulk of your profit is going to come from your expense control. So you need to know, one, what do you want your profit margin to be? Do you even know what your profit margin is? What's an ideal profit margin for you? Is it 25%? Are you satisfied with 25% profit margin? Do you want 30%? Do you want 50%? What do you want your profit margin to be? And then draw a line in the sand and begin to hold that margin as a standard. So next week, we're going to dive into how to pull more profit out of your business and what, what I do every week to pull profit out of my different businesses. But for now, I want you to start thinking about what do you want your profit margin to be? You know, What's a business worth owning for you? What does that look like? Can you survive on a 10% margin? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe you can. There's some businesses, if you're doing $800 million in revenue, maybe you can survive on that. You need to know that though. What do you need to survive and thrive? Not just survive, but what do you need to thrive from a profit profitability standpoint? And then begin to hold that number accountable and start cutting your expenses and increasing your revenue to get your business to that profitability standpoint. You know, I saw a stat the other day where 80% of small businesses break even or lose money every year which is crazy. There's way too many businesses out there that don't make a profit. You know, the challenge with real estate is that we pride ourselves on sales volume and units. There's awards on sales volume. There's awards on units. Hey, $100 million sales team, number one in the area, number one at this, number one for home sold, number one for volume sold. What would your award look like from a profitability standpoint? Are you proud of your profit? Because it's one thing to have sales and have units. It's another thing to be a profitable business. You know, a $100 million team could generate less profit than someone selling $3 million in real estate, which is crazy if you think about it. So don't fall into this group. Don't fall into that statistic of 80% of small business owners breaking even or losing money every year. Focus on your, lead gener lead, on your efforts of lead generation. Hold your money super accountable. And when you start to do this, I promise you, regardless of the market, your business is always going to thrive.